Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in the middle of discussing and studying Passion Week, and we'll be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Now, we've already gone through Sunday morning when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, and it was in uh, late in the day, and he enters uh, and goes through the temple. He looks around at all things, and then he journeys back to Bethany to retire for the evening. And on the following day, Monday, he's making his way back to Jerusalem. He's hungry. He sees a fig tree far off, and he goes to that tree, uh, hoping to find fruit on it, but he finds none. And he curses the fig tree, and he says, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And so he enters into Jerusalem, and he goes directly to the temple. Now, he's already checked out the temple. He already knows what's going on inside there. And so he begins to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. He overthrows the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he says this to all that were in the temple now that were witnessing this. He says, is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. And so that's the message for you and I today. We are called of God to be houses of prayer. Amen. Praise God. And so now on Tuesday morning, Jesus again, he's making his way back to Jerusalem uh, and he passes by the fig tree and the disciples notice that the fig tree was dried up from the roots. And so when the disciples mentioned that, Jesus took that moment on their journey to teach unto them the great uh, lessons on the faith of God, have faith in God or have the faith of God. So uh, in our last session, we talked about how that we are to be temples of prayer, houses of prayer, and we also are to be temples of faith. Amen. Praise God. So now Jesus, he arrives in Jerusalem and uh, he's walking in the temple. Now he is accosted by the priests, by the scribes, and by the elders. All these are against them. That's the religious order. And they begin to question him and to interrogate him and ask him by what authority that they, he does these things. And so Jesus replies by asking them a question. Now that's a great debate uh, strategy. He asks them a question, you know, whether or not they believe John was from heaven. And, of course, they would not answer because if they did one way or the other, then it would incriminate them in the eyes of the people. And so the Lord says, well, if you don't answer my question, I'm not going to answer your question. <laughs> but he does answer this question in a similar way that he normally uh, when he's teaching, and that is through parables. And so this is where Mark chapter 12 begins. It begins with the parable of the vineyard. Now, we think that the parable of the vineyard, it, vineyard uh, has its origin in the song of the vineyard in Isaiah chapter 5. So that's Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And that's, uh, you, can, you can read that in your study devotion time. Uh, it uh, pretty much explains uh, not only to the Israel of Isaiah's day, but also to uh, this generation that Jesus is ministering to. Amen. Praise God. 
And so now in verse one of Mark chapter 12, and he began to speak unto them by parables, a certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. Now, uh, to break this parable down, you know, God, the father, he is that certain man. He's the one that chose the nation of Israel. Um, he's the one that, uh, you know, spoke to Isaiah, Isaiah, you know, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, like in Israel to the vine. Uh, he's also the the father. God is also the one that planted Israel and he's the one that built a hedge around it. And uh, him letting it out to husbandmen is speaking of the elders of Israel. Amen. He gave to them the law of Moses, uh, spoke to them through the Psalms and through the prophets uh, and uh was looking to them, gave them to them the responsibility to lead Israel. And notice that in verse one, it says, and then he went into a far country. In other words, he left the welfare of Israel. Now, the leadership of Israel, he left it into their hands, the hands of the leaders of the nation of Israel. And verse two says, and at the season, he sent to the husbandman a servant for a long time that he might receive from the husband of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. This is talking about the servant. And again, he sent unto them another servant and at him, they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again, he sent another and him they killed and many others beating some and killing some. So uh, this here is uh, Jesus speaking of the prophets. They were the ones sent to Israel and they were the ones that were beaten. They were the ones killed. Uh, you know, the prophets were sent to warn Israel. You know, there is judgment coming. And so uh, it's interesting how that in this parable, it says uh, Jesus said that he might receive from the husbandman of the fruit of the vineyard. Well, there is no fruit. Amen. The fruit that Jesus is speaking of is the fruit of receiving him as the Messiah. Amen. And of course, that would require uh, the total reorganization of the government and leadership of Israel. Well, the leaders aren't willing to do that. They're not. They, they have pride of position and they have pride of, of wealth and they're not going to give that up. Uh, verse six says, and having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them. Notice that he sent them last unto them. That's very important, saying they will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. So who is the beloved son? Well, he's, he's, Jesus is speaking of himself. And then verse nine, he asks and answers a question. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen. And will give the vineyard unto others. Now, this is saying two things. So he's saying that this generation of Israel that is going to reject him, they will be judged. But also the vineyard is going to be given to another. Who is that? That's the church. Amen. <laughs> the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that's being that will be made up of Jew and of Gentile. And then Jesus in these next three verses, notice <clears throat> Notice what Mark records. And Jesus says this, verse 10 and 11. And have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. 
singing Hosanna. Uh, the great crowd that was uh, thronging Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem, they were calling Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. You see, that came from Psalm 118. Well, this also comes from Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What day is he talking about? The day that Messiah comes. Praise God. But now, what did the, the scribes and Pharisees, what did the religious order do? No, well, verse 12 and they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left him and went their way. This verse here describes most of humanity today when they're confronted with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will mock the gospel. They'll mock Christianity. The only time they use Jesus Christ is in a profane way. They will not receive Christ. They will not be saved. They will not be born again. They will be judged one day and thrown into the lake of fire. But let me tell you this. The very ones that reject Christ and his message will th throw up their hands and willingly receive uh, the mark of the beast of the Antichrist during the tribulation period. They'll do it without even thinking twice about it. And that's because they have received, they have been deluded, and God has sent them strong delusion. That's what the word of God says. Send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And why does God do that? Because they have already rejected Christ. The only way that they, any man can be saved. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of salvation to all those who believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. So now here we have on uh, this day, Tuesday, we have Jesus now being confronted in mass one right after the other with the religious order. They're trying to catch Jesus. They're trying to destroy him. First of all, they want to discredit him so that they then can lay hands upon him and destroy him. That which people fear is that which they're going to try to destroy. Amen. And see, this this is exactly what the religious order of this day, the Jews day, I mean, Jesus day, uh, what they're going to try to do. Verse 13, and they sent unto him certain they, notice they sent. Well, who sent them? Well, who do you think? The Sanhedrin. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So here we are. Open warfare now. Uh, the battle of the minds. And who do you think is going to win? <laughs> Amen. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? And they said unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. Now, think about this. The Pharisees hated the Herodians and vice versa. Now they're in league together against somebody, a common person that they also that they both hate. And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that you are true and care for no man, for you regard not the person of man, but teaches the way of God in truth. Flattery, flattery, trying to flatter him, trying to catch him off guard. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Isn't that something? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why do you tempt me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. Jesus is saying, why, do you t why are you trying to tempt me? <laughs> it's because you don't know who I am. You think I'm just a man like you, but I'm not. And they brought it, and he said to them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. 
And Jesus answered, said to them, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. They marveled. They thought they had him. They thought they had Jesus all tied up. But I tell you what, he is so much smarter than they are. I tell you, God's smarter than we are. He's pretty smart. Amen. So Jesus confounds their attack. And both the Pharisees and Rhodians, they found out that they were no match for him. Amen. So now here comes the Sadducees, and they're going to try to catch Jesus concerning the resurrection. Verse 18, then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us. Oh, by the way, the Sadducees, they were the elitist party, kind of like our government officials today. You know, they fly over us peon Americans. You know, the, you know the, those that are really America, you know, and they look down on us. They consider us peons. You know, they're up in their Eiffel, you know, their, their glass towers, their, you know, their wonderful palaces. And they look down on us and always pointing the finger at us like we're the problem when they're the problem. Well, uh, the Jews of uh, Jesus day, they had the same type of elitist party, bunch of politicians, you know, made up of rich people. Amen. They had no no compassion at all, at all towards the common people. This is the Sadducees. And as one preacher said, they are sad, you see. Verse 19, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and dying left no seed. And the second took her and died, neither left he any seed, and the third likewise. And the seven had her, and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, who, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. Oh, I tell you, the Sadducees using a veiled reference to marriage to try to catch Jesus. And notice what Jesus says now, verse 24. And Jesus answered, said unto them, Do you not therefore err, because you do not know the Scriptures, and you do not know the power of God. So where's the power of God in? The power of God is knowing the Scriptures. Where's the power of God under salvation? It's in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is written. Amen. And this is true today. I mean, there's so many that profess faith in Christ and they have an idea about the, you know, scriptures. You know, maybe they've memorized scriptures, but they have no idea what the word of God means. Amen. It's not been applied to their heart. Just because somebody knows the Bible and they haven't applied to their heart doesn't mean that they're going to escape the wrath to come. Amen. And then verse 25 says, For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Now, he answered both of these. He answered the, the, uh, you know, the question of the Sadducees posed concerning marriage. But notice what else? He also addresses the resurrection. And as touching the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spake unto them, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead. In other words, Jesus is saying here, Abraham's not dead. Isaac is not dead. Jacob is not dead. All three are very much alive, and they're in heaven. They are in heaven. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. Now, verse 25, for when they shall rise from the dead. 
See, the Lord Jesus is affirming the fact that there is going to be a resurrection. Amen. So what happens to the Sadducees? Well, they go down in defeat. The Pharisees went down in defeat. The Herodians went down in defeat. The Sadducees went down in defeat. They're all going down in defeat. Amen. They think they're so much smarter. You know, the, uh, the elitists think they're so smart. But really, folks, let me tell you, they are so dumb. They, are so, they have so deceived themselves into thinking they're so superior and they're not. Let me tell you who the real wise person is. The really wise person is the person like you that has humbled himself and bowed his knees to the Lord Jesus Christ and has accepted him as Savior and Lord. Amen. Has made him Lord. That's the truly wise person. Not these elitists that run around, you know, uh, you know, beating their their hands against their chests, claiming to be such great people. They're not. They're not great at all. You and I are not great. But see, we serve a great God. And that makes us great. Amen. Praise God. So now here's a Pharisee. All right. Now, he's been watching all of this. He's been watching all this going. He's been watching this confrontation. Verse 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That's the Shema. The Jews would say that daily. Now, verse 31, and the second is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do these things, you will do well. But here's this scribe, and notice what he answers. Well, Master, you have said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all of the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Amen. See, the scribe answers well. Now notice this. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. Now, what's the issue with this Pharisee? Well, he answered discreetly. He answered well. He knew the word of God, but he didn't go far enough. Notice where he's standing. He's not standing with the Lord Jesus. He's standing outside in the circle around Jesus. And just because knowing scripture, it doesn't guarantee that a person is going to get into heaven. You can memorize the entire Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation. But if you haven't gone far enough and going far enough is realizing that Jesus Christ is Savior, that we're sinners, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And if we don't receive him because God's given us the right and the privilege to do that, if we don't receive him by faith, we will not be saved and we will not be ready. What a shame it would be to get all the way up to the line and not cross it. So many have done that. And so many have sent away their day of visitation. All right. Now, 
Here's all, all of these groups. Here's the Pharisee. You know, they have all tried to catch Jesus. The Pharisee, he, he tried to, he was examining, he was interrogating the Lord. He just wanted to know, you know, does this guy know as much as I know? <laughs> well, amen. That Pharisee found out that Jesus knows a whole lot more than we do. Amen. So now it's Jesus' turn. This is in Mark chapter 12, verse 35. And Jesus answered and said, while he taught on the temple, how say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said it by the Holy Ghost. The Lord said to my Lord, sit down on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David, therefore, himself calleth him Lord. And whence is he then his son? And the common people, they were saying, amen, glory to God. They heard him gladly. And what happened to all the others? Well, they went away in disgrace. And he said unto them in his doctrine, beware of the scribes, talking to the people, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the upper room, uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater condemnation. Now, this is just the beginning of what Jesus is going to speak concerning this religious order. And we're going to get that, get to that in a little bit. But notice that Jesus is saying, uh, how say the scribes that Christ is the son of God when Jehovah himself said in the Psalms, in the prophetic Psalms, the Lord Jehovah said to my Lord. How can how can. The Lord that that uh, that Jehovah God ascribes to be a mere man. He can't be. He's got to be a son, the son. See. What Jesus is saying is saying, you know what? I'm the infinite God man. I am Messiah, but I'm also Lord of the vineyard. And I am the one that you are going to reject. So when they rejected Jesus, they rejected God. Just like when Israel began calling for a king, God took exception to that. And they said, no, no, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. You see, and it's a horrible thing, horrible thing for us to reject God. And then we have a incident in the ministry of Jesus. Now he's in the temple. He's at the treasury and he sees some people casting money into the treasury. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain widow, poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing, a couple pennies. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury out of their abundance. For they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want, she did cast in all that she had, even all of her living, everything that she had, she cast it in. Amen. You see, that's a sacrificial offering. There are offerings, even though it was two pennies, that mean more to God than all that were giving out of their abundance. Now, it's good to give out of our abundance. Don't misunderstand me. It's a good thing. Amen. But listen, when you get low, when you get down, and instead of hanging on to what little that you have, if you give it to God, God will take that as a sacrificial offering and he will bless it. Reminds me of a minister start, starting out in the ministry, had nothing but five dollars in his pocket. 
and he was in a meeting and God said, give that $5. And God said, Lord, I can't do that. That's all I have between me and the poorhouse. God said, give that $5. And he gave it out of obedience. And let me tell you something. Before he got out of that church too long, there was enough groceries in his house to keep him for two weeks until he was able to get a, uh, a an honorarium from preaching. Amen. You see. And really, unless we're willing to give all to God, we'll never inherit eternal life. See, this woman threw herself upon the mercy of God. She said, I don't have anything but these two pennies. I'm going to give it to God and just and just fall upon your mercy. That's how men get saved. That's how women get saved. And John wrote this. He said, if any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. So I want to ask you, what are you what's holding you back from uh, wholly receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. What are you willing to give up in order to receive eternal life? Now, Jesus said this. If you love anyone, and when he said anyone, he meant anything too. If you love anyone or anything more than me, you are not worthy of me. And that reminds me when uh, Hurricane was uh, headed towards uh, New Orleans. And people were all in these, you know, four and five thousand square foot homes. They were in these huge houses. They had beautiful cars. They had uh, well landscaped uh, yards. But I'm telling you, when the hurricane was getting, I'm talking about a category five hurricane was getting ready to hit New Orleans. You know what they did? They gathered their family and they got out of there. They left their lavish homes and their beautiful landscaped yards and all of their other amenities because they were no longer important to them. So what are you holding on to that's going to keep you out of heaven? Give it all up. Love Jesus more than anyone. Love him more than anything. And God will grant you eternal life and you'll be free. Praise God. He will heal you, save you, and you will be free. Praise God. And so ending it out, we don't have enough time, but uh, Jesus in Matthew 23, 1 through 39, this is also uh, partially in Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. Jesus gives a scathing rebuke of the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus says this, we can't read all of it, but uh, it's 36 verses long, so uh, it'd be worth a read. Uh, Matthew 23, 1 through 36. Uh, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. And then he goes on and explains their hypocrisy. What they do not do. Amen. Praise God. But now the last part of uh, Matthew chapter 23 uh, this is really where I want to end today, because this is going to set us up for our next session, which will be Matthew chapter 13. And we'll be talking about the Olivet Discourse. Notice what Jesus says here. Uh, well, we'll, re we'll read uh, we'll read the last two verses of uh, verse 35 and verse 36 that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Not talking about the whole generation of, not talking about the whole nation of Israel from the last 2,000 years. That generation that rejected Christ. And then Jesus says this, and weeping over Jerusalem, 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now that's going to take place at the end of the tribulation period when Jesus returns. He'll return to save Israel. Amen. And he'll return to take possession of the earth and rule and reign for a thousand years. Amen. Now, I want to ask you in just a few moments that we have left. Have you do you know your time of visitation? There are many that have gone on before you. They never accepted Jesus Christ. They missed. They send away their day of visitation. Don't you do the same? Know that today is the time of your visitation. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you need to do it today. And if you do that, I want you to email me. Amen. And at the close, you'll get the email address. Email and let me know. Praise God. And we'll be praying for you and helping you all that we can. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus for your divine presence to be upon this ministry today and upon each and every person that listened to this ministry today. Bless them, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.